And so we're going to welcome Jason Wheeler to lead us through this discussion, and then we'll do a few little uh, housekeeping things at the end. Awesome. Thank you so much. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. So I'm, like Megan said, I'm Jason Wheeler. I'm with CFB ISD Carrollton Farmers Branch. We have about 26,000 students, and my position has been around for about five years. So I have the unique perspective of I was a middle school teacher, a high school uh, teacher, and then I became a director of one of our academies, the uh, Media Arts Academy. And then I transitioned over to the communications side, uh, and I've been here about five years. So I also have children that are elementary school age, so I see it from different perspectives. And also, I am married to the enemy. My wife teaches at a private school in Dallas, so um, I get some inside information from her about how they might be stealing some of our kids. So uh, I love to do this kind of stuff. Um, I spoke at Inspra uh, during the summer. Really, really enjoyed that. So that's why that camera's here. I'm launching a new website. Uh, my new, my old website is socialmediaschoolhouse.com, but I'm launching jasonawheeler.com. So I love to speak and I love to do this as a little side hustle. So uh, you're gonna be a star of one of my web videos. So I like to record pretty much everything. Um, but today it's all about social media. I'm really big into content marketing, but I also love social media. I basically came into Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD and transformed what they were doing. And uh, so that's what I'm going to talk about today. But I like to start every presentation with the same video, doesn't matter what I'm doing, because it sort of gives a perspective of where we were and where we are today. So some of you might be familiar with this. All right, so that was the Andy Griffith Show, if you don't know. Very, very popular in the 1960s. In fact, that was the number one show during the 65 through 69 time period. So if you had a television set and you tuned into the three channels that were available, you probably watched this show. In fact, this averaged 50 million people per episode. And to put it into perspective, the number one show, NFL Football, averages about 16 to 20. And that's high for a television show these days. So back then, you could put a commercial on the television show and everybody would run out to buy post cereal. Well, that's not the same now. We are inundated with channels. We have Netflix, Hulu, online, YouTube. People are not on the same platforms as they were. And let's face it, these pictures in communication, back in the 60s, when a neighborhood school was built in your community, everyone skipped out of their house Woo! Both uphill, both ways, right? And they went to their neighborhood school. That's not the case now for a lot of school districts. We are seeing charter schools, private schools, online. I'm a nerd, business nerd, and I watch CNBC every morning. There's an online called K-12 that advertises on CNBC every morning for the Dallas community. They're trying, of course, to take our kids, and a lot of districts have seen those kids being taken away. In our district, we actually have 3,000 students that live in our district that should be going to our district that go to charter schools. So that's why the position was created to help marketing and communicate the awesome things that are happening in CFBISD. So we all know from advertising to marketing to school PR, like a great poet once said, the times they are changing. 
and there's ways we have to go about things instead of sending the newsletter home with the kids. I don't know if anything like my kids, but when a newsletter comes home from the teacher, it looks like they chewed it up, spit it back up, wrote it on a ball, and did like a wrestling move on top of it before it gets home. And a lot of times I don't even see it because it's pushed down in their backpack and we find it two weeks later. So that's why social media has become so important because that's where our parents and that's where our students are at. And you might ask yourself, well, why social media? I know we have a range of school districts here and we have people from smaller school districts all up to very large school districts, but social media is gonna impact all of those school districts. To give you some of the numbers, and I might be preaching to the choir, but Facebook, this slide's only a year old. They're now up to 2.1 billion active users daily on the platform. Twitter, 550 million people interact with Twitter each day. And Instagram, one of the fastest growing social media platforms, is now at 1 billion active users daily. And guess who owns Instagram? Facebook. So they're a powerhouse in the industry of social media, of course. But to look at even further breaking this down, you can see where people are on which platform daily, weekly, and monthly. Still Facebook rules. I know there's a lot of uh, talk out there about people are not on Facebook anymore, people are not doing the Facebook thing, people are leaving that in droves, but I will tell you my theory is, as long as people are still getting married or engaged, they're still having kids that take their first steps, or they're going on a vacation to relive their honeymoon, People are going to be on Facebook because what's the one thing people love to do on social media is to brag about themselves, right? So Facebook is not going away. They're doing a lot of things to encourage people to come back. I know they've had a lot of data problems, things like that, but the studies have shown people don't care about that stuff. They really pay no attention to those data breaches. People are still on Facebook. And if you look at the Google Analytics, on our website, still by far, Facebook drives the most traffic back to our website. The calls to action we put out there on Facebook are awesome. But let's break it down even further. The sweet spot of parents is 18 to 49 right here. Look at the numbers. 81, 78% on Facebook. Those are gonna be more of your millennial parents because they're starting to have kids. They're bragging about their kids. They're getting back on Facebook because they want to interact with their families. They want to show grandma the first steps. They want to show their friends from college that they're making whatever much money and they got a new car. They're, they're on there. Then of course, YouTube is huge. LinkedIn, we, I find a lot, especially for brand me, Jason Wheeler brand, I find a lot of stuff it's working really well on LinkedIn. Our school district is using it for uh, marketing to convince college kids to come to our district, but we haven't seen a huge parent on LinkedIn driving from our thing. But Twitter is starting to decline a little bit. We don't see it really as a real big traffic driver to our school district. That might be different in some school districts. But also, of course, Snapchat and Instagram is continuing to grow. We're seeing a lot of people I was at a job fair uh, last week in Stephen F. Austin, and uh, they, I just interviewed college kids. I was like, what platform are you on? Every one of them said, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. They're leaving Snapchat to go back to Instagram. So that might be something you 
consider. So where do you start when you're talking about social media? Or for a lot of you, you might be here or you might be wondering how do I restart my platforms to get the most engagement possible to drive those parents, the students, and the community to see all the great things that are happening in your district. Well, I have sort of six rules of social media I try to follow with my posts. Now, you might say, that's pretty simple, but really they have like 100 rules under each one. So, but these are the main things that I try to do in our social media to drive that engagement. So first, to drive engagement, you have to be engaging. And what I say about this is the number one thing that I do pretty much on 99.9% .9 of our posts, doesn't matter if it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, of course I have to have a visual, a picture, or a video to go along with my post. It's a must now. Nobody wants to read text. So the main things you need to start concentrating on are pictures and video. We were talking a little bit about live video, and I'll get into that a little bit later, but with Facebook and the new algorithm, things like that, there's things that you have to do to sort of crack the code of that algorithm. And right now, Facebook Live seems to be working really, really well. I Facebook Live everything. Um, every major event, everything I did, I'm the only one brave enough to go in front of the camera. So I don't mind acting stupid. And I'll get in front of the camera like tonight. I'm gonna be dancing and going crazy in front of the camera to convince people to come out to one of our homecoming games tonight. Do that for every homecoming game. I do it for first of school. I get on there and just go crazy and get people pumped up, tell them to like, share, all that stuff. So video is huge right now. But when I talk about pictures, I don't mean just taking, you know, your principal or your communication department walks into a classroom, peeks in the door, takes a wide picture, things like that. That's not gonna work anymore. You need to be engaged. You need to get in the faces of the kids and get that shot, close-up shot. And the best that you can do, of course, parents want to see the finished product, but they also want to see the process, the behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on to get to that finished product. They want to see what their kid's doing each day. Not only is it bragging about their child, but it's a conversation starter. What's the one thing when my kids come home and I ask them what they did in school? Uh, I don't know, I forgot. Well, if teachers have the power to show the great things that are happening in their classroom, a parent can see that, that just builds conversation with their students. Oh, you didn't do anything? Then what'd you do here? And put it in their face, you can build conversations with the parents. It's very, very important. Visuals, visuals, visuals. Part two, this is the biggest one by far for me. Know your audience. Each one of our districts is unique. You can't just Google and say, all right, what do millennial parents want? You can't just do that. You have to know your audience, and you really have to develop a persona for each one of the groups that you're trying to target on social media. And what's big right now, I know the millennial talk is big, but it is real. I know it's really hard to see uh, with white women in, but the millennials actually make up the biggest population in the United States. They're bigger than the baby boomers now. 92 million to the baby boomers being about 77 million. So they're a big chunk of the audience and also they're a big chunk of our parents. I do a HR recruiting uh, talk. I go out and talk about um, like new ways to recruit college kids um, and 
during my presentation, I break down the millennials. Because millennials are not just millennials. There are subgroups that they are broken up into. So first we have the early millennials. So some of you might be saying, I was, I, was born, I was born in 78. Do I still, yeah, you can be a millennial. But there's different studies out there that show you one thing. But early millennials saw the go-go 80s, Wolf of Wall Street, uh, you know, Gordon Gecko, greed is good. They saw the, all their parents, you know, party and everything's good, everything's great. That's that group. So they're a little bit more loose, they're a little bit more laid back, it's sort of the traditional millennials that you uh, speak of. But this group right here, the recessionist millennials that we're seeing a lot of those people starting to have elementary school kids come in, they lived through 9-11, they lived through the dot-com bust, they saw their parents losing one, two, three, maybe even four jobs a year during this time. So they're actually very conservative, they don't sort of look uh, but they're very conservative, and they actually value things that are going to make their children better than what they had it during their time growing up. And one of the things that they really care about is the community making a difference and make sure their kid has the best education possible. So that's why we're starting to see the trend of them going to charter schools. Because why? The grass is always greener, right? on the other side of the hill. So I, that's the one thing. They don't like to spend money, but when they do, they like to spend it on education. Tutoring, private schools maybe, they are huge about where their child is going, and that's the millennials that have kids. So a lot of these people are starting to have elementary and middle school kids. You're gonna see this keep growing and growing and growing, the more people coming into this place. And like I said, you can't just guess about who your audience is. Because if I Googled, what kind of social media does a British white male born in 1948 want? Well, you're going to get a different story probably. You're going to find one thing on Google, and the next thing is going to be completely opposite. So it's going to take some hustle for you really to break down your audience. I know my audience in Carrollton Farmers Branch because I've done extensive study. Did parent interviews. This is for a kindergarten program that we did. A, a, a we did a campaign for convincing preschool parents to come into kindergarten. This is all the stuff I did before I even started the campaign. Parent interviews. I sat down with groups and interviewed one on one. Surveys went out. Teacher interviews. What are they asking? Those are the best people to ask. What are the parents asking? They trust them more than they trust us. <coughs> Personas, I built audience personas about what they like, what magazines they read, what blogs they read, where are they at. <coughs> Roundtables, had group discussions to drive out some of the communication that they weren't easily saying during the one-on-one -on -one conversation. And then of course I called some things and some phone interviews. So an example of something very, very easy we did is there was a reading program at one of our elementary schools and we wanted to attract dads to program. It was called Freeman Reads. So all we did is went one night and went and took pictures. We wanted to build a visual just sort of uh, timeline of what happened during that night. So for the next event, all we really did was put up this picture right here. Because we researched our audience and what's the one thing parents and especially fathers want to look like to their community. They want to look like competent parents, that they're doing the best thing for their child. So this tells a story here. 
Look at this daughter laying her head on her lap. She's so content, her father's resting his chin on her head. This tells a story that if <coughs> I'm a father and I bring my kid to reading night, my child's gonna do the same exact thing. So the picture told a story just because we knew what our audience was looking for. Rule three, which brings me in, tell a story. That's the biggest thing that you need to do. Tell the stories, the experiences that are happening in your schools. And that's the way to build your brand and not only your district, but each one of your schools. Now, to let you know, a brand is not a logo. Like, this is what? I do that next to my wife, I see my purses a lot. Um, so, but you're, building a brand is not just about logos. It's about the experiences. And the best way to develop these experiences, to let the community know about these experiences, is telling stories. Beginning, middle, of end, the things that happen in your school district and at your schools. Now, here's a little secret. This presentation, I give a lot to each of our individual schools because we're trying to convince our teachers to get on social media. We've done a good job, but there's still some holdouts. We're really trying to convince them, so I show this presentation to them. And the big secret I tell them don't tell anyone else because this might, might lose our jobs. But to tell you the truth, parents do not really care that much about the school district as a whole. They care about where their child attends school and especially where their child is in the classroom with that teacher that year. That is what they care about. So a lot of us building that, oh, what do I have to do for the district? What are we going to do to build the district brand, the district brand, the district brand? Really, you should be concentrating on your school brands and your program brands, because that is going to trigger the word of mouth from your parents. Just because, now, I'm not saying you shouldn't do this, but just because your financial department, uh, you know, put out a report, things like that, and you put it on social media, I bet you about 90% of the parents do not care. But when a teacher says, we did a science project and the kids went outside and collected bugs with nets and they came in and looked at them through magnifying glasses. That is what a parent's gonna care about because it's impacting their child. What the school district dug is, is nice, but you really need to start concentrating around the brands and the stories that are happening on your campuses. The best way to do that is to recruit an army of your teachers to help you spread the great things and to get on social media and do that. So here's an example in our school district. R.L. Turner, I don't know if anyone's familiar with R.L. Turner, but they haven't won more than three football games in 15 years, but they have the best school spirit out of any high school in our district. So all I did one day, because they, they're very proud of this, I went in with my smartphone, real quick, I interviewed three students, four teachers, and recorded some pep rally footage and some uh, just uh, general homecoming festivities. And all I asked him was one simple question. What makes the spirit at Arl Turner so special? It took me 30 minutes to film, then it took me about 30 minutes to edit a simple video together, put it on <coughs> Facebook and Instagram, reached 50,000 people and about 25,000 views from just one video about one school. Because that's their story. Their story isn't about winning football games. It's about the pride they have in their school spirit. I knew every student and every alumni was gonna share this story because they are proud of that. That is their story at R.L. Turner High School.
Rule four, live in the moment. You need to not save your stuff. If someone's doing an awesome science experiment that day, and you happen to go in there and take video and pictures, don't wait two weeks to post those videos and pictures. Parents want to see it now. It's not going to be worth it if there was a Veterans Day assembly and you posted at the end of November and December. Nobody cares about it then. They want to live in the moment you need to put out stuff that's relevant and that's happening right away. I know that's more work and it takes more uh, things to do, but you have a powerful tool in your pocket, your smartphone. You can post from there, you can edit from there, you can do a lot of cool things over there. Be in the moment, really concentrate on being relevant in that moment. So here's an example. All I did was take a really quick picture at uh, the Halloween game last uh, uh, football season and our Lionettes, uh, they dressed up and did Thriller. I took that picture, it was Halloween that night. I posted it 10 minutes later and that went crazy. Thousand likes, 600 shares just from one picture living in the moment because it was relevant to Halloween. And I knew these girls were proud of what they were doing. Rule five, which brings me to be consistent. You need to have a game plan with everything that you do. And being consistent not only means you need to post on a regular basis. If you have a blog or you're posting on Instagram, you need to do it every day. Just because it's cool and you start an Instagram account, and you post on it one month and two months later you post another one, that's not going to work. You need to be dedicated to that platform and really be consistent because people are going to want to know when your stuff's coming out. If you're not consistent, they're not going to come back to look to see if it's coming out. Be consistent. But this also means be consistent with your voice. Each one of our districts has its unique voice, and every platform has a unique voice. You're gonna be a little bit different on Instagram than you are on Facebook. You're gonna be a little bit different on Facebook than you're on Twitter. Find that voice and really extract it and put it in each one of those things. That's why I know people are gonna get really mad at me, but I hate when you have Hootsuite or whatever, and you do a little thing and you post to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter all at the same time. That's not good. I know it's a lot more work, but that is not good. Especially when it says, posted, published by Hootsuite. People know you're being lazy. So, I'm just kidding around the lazy part, but I know we have a lot of things to do. But social media takes time, it takes dedication, and it just really, it's just part of the game. If you're gonna be on a platform, you need to be consistent and have your own voice. If you don't have time to do that, then you probably can get away from that platform. You don't have to be on every platform to make a difference. Choose the ones that you're able to do right and do well and really command those and get people coming back and coming back and coming back. Six, be useful. This is my big thing. This is what I do most of my presentations on. This is what my Inspire presentation was about. Parents crave information. Raising a kid is really, really hard. They want information that's going to make their job easier really big on content marketing. Basically what that is, is putting out information that's valuable to the audience. What do they want to see? That could be anything from an infographic about uh, 10 ways to identify your gifted child. That could be uh, a blog post about the, the 10 top questions about starting kindergarten for the new school year. That could be about doing a video, your teacher does a video about how to do a math problem so the parent can do it at home for homework. Content marketing being valuable to your audience. 
you look at the stats of content and valuable content, what people crave are these stats. And the biggest number I can show you today is 71%. Millennial parents say that 71% of their parental guidance of how they're raising their child comes from mommy blogs and social media. It's crazy, right? But I'll give you a quick story. I know I like to talk, but it's a quick story. First child, YouTube had just pretty much came out. It was huge, but it was early on in YouTube. We had our first child, and the nurse comes in and goes, congratulations, you get to go home today. I bet you're so excited. And she goes, I'm gonna go clean up little Brayden. I'm gonna bring him back, but I wanna let you know that it's, it's the hospital policy and the state policy that we are not allowed to help you get the child into your car seat. So uh, when I come back, you're gonna put him in, then we're gonna take him out to the car, we're gonna strap him in, we're gonna get ready to go. So we've been practicing a lot on stuffed animals and things like that, but not a live little thing to put in the car seat. So when the nurse uh, goes out, I'm like, get on YouTube, where does the strap go? Where do you need to fly? Where do you do it? How tight is it? Oh, we need to go, we need to go. We YouTube how to put a kid in the car seat, and we put our kid in the car seat. So it doesn't make you a bad parent trying to find these things. You probably do the same thing when you're researching a car or doing whatever. Parents are wanting to know about how to raise their child. And you can capitalize on this by helping them and you become the trusted source for where they go to get information. We started a blog, that's one of my first initiatives, I started a blog uh, called schoolahoop.com. It's a parenting blog and we just post information about math, science, how to raise your kid, the five best staycation ideas in Dallas, just things that we know they're gonna want during the summer, during the school year, things like that. Uh, we do that and it's worked out really, really well. All right, so building your platform. I'll go through this really quick because you probably have a lot of this already done. But I'll give you some do's and don'ts on these platforms that really you should be concentrating on when you're building now Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Your profile, that's your little description of who you are. When you build this out, and really this goes for school districts, schools, and specifically teachers, because they're building their own brand, their own classroom brand. First, user friend or handle. That means like a profile name. Of course, for the district, you probably want to use Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD or CFB ISD because people recognize that. But for like a teacher, you don't want to have like sexy Zeta Bay 2000 or anything like that for your handle. That's probably not a good idea, right? Nothing against, <laughs> nothing against Zetas. I love Zetas, so, uh, but uh, you need to be careful about what they put out there because some teachers just don't get this. They think it's cool still or whatever. They want to, you know, yay, Zeta, whatever. But I, I'm not picking on Zetas. But uh, be careful with your handle names. And I tell this a lot to teachers. Just use Miss Jones or, you know, Jones Kindergarten or whatever. Don't try to be creative and be like funny because a lot of parents might not get that. Recognizable profile photo, your school logo is probably going to be great for your district or the outside of a, a, something that really catches people's attention that they know that represents your school district. For teachers, be very careful about this. My wife, six years ago when social media was sort of starting out for teachers, sort of the new phase of that, um, they, or she, the teacher, uh, posted uh, a picture of her on spring break in her bikini with a full wine bottle dancing and she put that as her profile picture. But she thought she was posting on her 
uh, personal one, but she posted on her Miss Jones kindergarten site. Oh. Her, and she was inspired. But people need to be careful because there's a lot of, now it's real easy on your phone, switch back and forth from your personal, your private, your whatever. It gets complicated. Sometimes, the only time I've ever done it is I posted a Carrollton thing on my personal one, not a personal thing on the Carrollton one, but you gotta be really, really careful. So, recognize a profile photo. Please do this. Create a brief bio. Know people what you're known for, what you're about. Put that in there. And of course, website URL. Your district website, if it's a teacher or a principal, put your school website. If you don't have a personal blog or something like that, put the district or school website on that post so people can reach you. Content. Of course, I've already said pics and video. I've talked about the live content. It's awesome. Every platform has a live stream now. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you can all go live from there. Somehow some different nuances like Instagram. A little while ago it was only live and then it went away. They're starting to change that stuff with IGTV and things like that. Pics <coughs> and video are very, very important. I've already talked about behind the scenes and live video. If you're not doing live video, take a big event and just do that. We had a kindergarten event where all we did was get six kindergarten teachers, put them at the board dais, and we just asked questions of them, and then we allowed people on Facebook Live to ask them questions. It was like, how, what's, you know, how do you be successful in kindergarten? It was all preschool parents. We did that live on Facebook Live and let them comment, people share, things like that. After it was all done, within a week, from live viewership and replay viewership, we had 25,000 people watch that video. And then what I did is I cut up each question and posted those individual questions, about 30 of them, on YouTube so people could reference those back and watch. You know, what's a typical day look like? Uh, what does the cafeteria look like? Things like that. It's very, very powerful. It rose our kindergarten enrollment by like 10%. User-generated content is awesome. Let your students take over your accounts. I know a lot of people are like, what are you talking about? Don't do that. You're talking about the students are crazy. Um, that's power. That's how we grew our Instagram account. Within one day of letting the uh, one of the dance teams take over on Homecoming last year, we gained 800 subscribers, and they didn't leave on Instagram. We just did it a while back. We gained 400 more. Um, so let them go and have a Twitter, Instagram takeover. It's very, very powerful because the kids are in control, and who do the kids would rather share? are the other students. So content. how do you do that, like logistically? With so I got a representative that I let her put it on her phone and I gave her the username and password and she sort of walked around with the kids. So I usually get a big organization or a group to do it so the teacher can monitor what they're doing. So, I mean, we've had zero problems and it's only drove engagement and made our subscribers go way, way up. Do you change your password after you I get it back? So after I do, yeah. The bad thing about Instagram is though, is you can't change it back to other things. So you have to keep doing a new one. one, a new one, a new one. But it pays off, it's very powerful. I mean, I would love to do it every week if I had to, every Friday have an Instagram takeover. Because the kids are really on Instagram. They post the videos, the stories, the pictures. I mean, it, it drove really high engagement for us. So it doubled our engagement do you have just one representative? I mean, so they pass it around, but there's always a adult supervisor that oversees what they're doing. Before they post, the adult sees it. Yes. So they're yeah they're responsible for sort of looking at the content before they post it, or they just stand by them when they're recording it. So if some kid does something stupid, they won't 
put it on the account. But you said it's on the adult's phone or their Yes, the their adult's phone. phone. They let the kids hold it. Okay. So I don't want because the kids are pretty smart. They can track, you know, passwords, things like that. So, uh, but we've had great, great success. I and mean, it's, it's one of the best things we've done just to drive engagement on Instagram. Hashtags, Instagram's a must. You can use up to 30. The sweet spot they usually say is about 12. I usually hide mine in the comment section of the Instagram. I'll do the, not a period, but the on iPhones, and I think uh, the other phones have it too, Samsung, where you can put one of those big dots. So in the comment section, I do five big dots, and then I do hashtags, and it hides it in the comment section, and hashtags are highly searchable. So people search for those hashtags, and it doesn't look like you're spamming with the hashtags trying to get engagement, they're hidden in your comment section, but it's the same thing when people search it, they'll still find your content even though it's in the comment section. So it's a little sneaky tool that I use to do that. And what I do is I go in my notepad section and do the dot, 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 and write out a bunch of common hashtags that I use, and I'll just copy all and paste it in there, and I'll change it up a little for whatever event it is, and that's what I mean by trending hashtag, local hashtags, campaign specific. If it's some type of big event you're trying to promote, use a specific hashtag so people will search for that. Uh, if it's a local hashtag, you can use you know, the city of Carrollton or whatever, you can really use some of the things. And if you just Google trending hashtags, like love, of course, is one, happy, I always try to throw in a couple of those because we are happy about our school district. We do love our students. So it helps with driving engagement and driving those viewers. Yeah. Just, do you try and track and keep a database of all the different CFB affiliated hashtags? Because every time I post something, I see like five new ones that come up. So we're running into a problem now because our superintendent's big initiative was that our schools had to post like five Facebook things a day and like six, or not a week, and then like Instagram, things like that. So every school decided to come up with their own hashtag. So what I've done is the one thing I do use Hootsuite for is I just have columns of all our school hashtags and I sort of ask the principals, what's your initiative, what are you trying to promote? And I'll put it in Hootsuite and I have a tab, it's just school hashtags. Well, we have clubs and Yeah, I know, it gets hard, it does get hard. And it's basically just, when you see them, write them down and just sort of put them in that Hootsuite and I just track those columns to see if they're sustainable or they're really worth mentioning them in our hashtags. And then engage, we've already talked about it like that, but some additional things you can do. I know a lot of people hate comments on their Facebook and their Instagram and when they reply on Twitter, but that's really, really powerful because you can interact with those comments and you can tell the facts when someone says something about your school district that might not be true. You can answer questions that people might have really Diet, like if someone's asking about, you know, are you able to do school tours because I'm interested in your district, you better answer that person within 24 hours if you're looking for people to come into your schools because that's what parents and the community do now. When I want to complain about a company, I will go on their Twitter or their Instagram or whatever and I will post, I'm not able to contact anyone, this problem has been happening with my cable for five days, some of my channels are missing, I need help. Within 30 seconds to a minute, someone will call me. But if I try to get on the phone and navigate the computer system, because I think they don't want to do that anymore. They want to go to the quickest way possible. So people are going to ask you probably tough questions. People are going to be a little bit negative about your district. Not everyone's going to be happy. But what a powerful tool is social media, the social part. You can interact with those people and help them. 
and maybe it will change the tide. And one of the biggest things that I love, and I'll talk about in a second in my last slide, is micro-influencers. And what I mean by that is find the parents that are big supporters. Find the teachers that are huge, yay, 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 school district, whatever name you want to insert there. Um, they are going to help you win your battles on Facebook and on social media and on Twitter and on Instagram. We call them ambassadors, but we also try to build those micro-influencers that when they share something, 100 people are going to like it or 100 people are going to share it because they're influential in the community. And if they're saying positive things about the school district, people are going to listen. So try to find those micro-influencers that are going to help you respond to the negative comments or even answer questions because their students do going through the same thing. And of course, meet <laughs> others and promote your stuff across the networks. If you have an Instagram page, let people know on Facebook, hey, we just started this Instagram page, check it out. You need to cross-pollinate between all the social media platforms. Some of the trending things that I see, um, definitely what I just talked about, customer service is huge on social media. That's the next big thing. I mean, these corporations are already ahead of the game. I know education is always a couple steps behind some of these innovative marketing companies, but they have separate accounts like Hilton Answers or you know customer service, Twitch or whatever. They will answer just questions about the service or program or whatever, just on those Twitters. All they do all day is ask, answer questions or concerns from their consumers. We already talked about video content. Video content's huge now on Instagram, which I'll talk about in a second, but video, video, video. Take out your smartphone, record 30 seconds. Before I walked in here on my Twitter, I recorded that I was gonna be here today. I just like to document the things that I'm doing because people are interested in that kind of stuff. Already talked about micro-influencers. Voice search is gonna be huge. Some of you bigger school districts, I would really encourage you to investigate this in the next six months to a year. Learn how you can build an uh, Amazon Echo skill. And when someone goes to their Amazon Echo and say, hey, what's going on in Allen ISD today? Or hey, Alexa, what's going on in Allen ISD today? Flash briefing, Allen ISD is having their homecoming dance today. That's huge. The biggest seller last year out of any product on Amazon was the Amazon Echo and the Dot. Biggest product sold for Christmas. And if districts get on that, elementary school mom, hey Alexa, uh, what's the school menu for Blanton Elementary today? Today they're serving Salisbury State and tomorrow and the next day, I'm just kidding. But uh, so flash briefings are awesome. If you can really find a programmer to do that for you or someone that has looked into it, researched it in your school district, that's gonna be huge. A lot of people don't even wanna watch video anymore because they're so lazy. They just wanna to listen to it in their car when they drive to work. It's great. Instagram stories, vertical video. Do not be scared of vertical video. I know you've been trained. What are you doing? Flip your camera. Just be in landscape mode. Do it, do it, do it. 12% higher engagement with vertical video because that's what the kids watch. That's what the kids watch. I was the same thing. I was a film teacher before I went into this. I was all about the rule of thirds. Vertical video because kids watch it vertically. Instagram stories is vertical. They want to see vertical videos. Do vertical videos. Now this might be seem really simple. You're like, that's a trendy thing. If you've, one of my newest blog posts on my blog is about this, but if you go to the mobile 
uh, Facebook for your school district's Facebook page, they've redesigned that. They're starting to roll out a new platform on that. Events take a huge priority. Big, huge picture of your event, the date is right at the top when they scroll down. It is huge. Something very, very simple where you just put some of your big events in Facebook. I would usually do about three at a time because that's what's seen on the little scrolling thing. It's huge. We've seen major, major engagement uh, with Facebook events because they're putting a high priority. One of the only commercials that Facebook has ever done is about events. That might tell you something. They're going to put a high emphasis on that on the algorithm. They're doing a commercial spend a million dollars on national TV for during the baseball playoff games. You know that's going to be huge. Do Facebook events. And then some of you might not even know what this is. Twitch. Basically, it's owned by Amazon. It's a video game platform where people just watch video games all day. Every day. Millions of people. If, you, if I pull up Twitch right now, you will see Ninja is one of the most popular ones. Ninja is playing League of Legends right now. 1.1 billion live viewers. So that's probably what your students are doing when they're looking down at their phones and their desks. But all people do is watch video games on this platform. But they also have a section called IRL, in real life, where you can stream live stuff and recorded stuff to their platform. What if you had a club or organization have their own Twitch channel? CTE channel of doing awesome projects, rocket launches, things like that in real life. Our district's even in the early stages of launching competitive video game teams at our high school. We're partnering with some people to do that. It's huge right now. Sponsorship is huge. Uh, viewership is huge. And they're giving scholarship at 50 uh, colleges around the nation. UTA is one of them. UTD and SMU are giving scholarships for kids to play video games. So we're launching competitive video game teams at our high school to capitalize on that, to get them scholarships because people have passions for that. Mark Cuban owns a team. Jerry Jones owns a team. Robert Kraft owns a team. They're getting these kids like at 16 to 24 years old and they're professional video gamers and they're making millions of dollars every year. And so are Jerry Jones, of course, and Mark Cuban, but uh, that's another story. But that's my sort of information uh, that is my email. If you have any questions, I'll definitely answer questions after this. If you have any questions that you don't want to ask in front of the group, definitely email me. That's my Twitter handle. I know it's a little bit easier to interact on Twitter. I'm also on Instagram and on Facebook, and I have my blog right here. Social Media Schoolhouse in November. That's changing, changing to jasonhaven.com. But that right there, you can get a lot of tips and tricks for social media and things like that. I usually post a video a day of social media tips. So if you're interested, you can check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and all that kind of stuff.